All right, everybody, come on in. I see people piling in. It's 12 o'clock, it's time to get started. There's lots of room up front, grab a seat, don't be shy. Get yourself a cup of coffee, settle in. Today is going to be good. I'm gonna give it just a minute. Uh, we opened it up and we've got to let everybody, we've, uh, we've got over 240 registrations today. Uh, so it, it takes a minute for, uh, uh, I guess, for the system to I guess, allow everybody to, to join us. I can't really see on my screen. Are people popping in? Yeah, they're coming in. Nice. Oh, yeah. They're, they're streaming in. I don't know exactly. how it is. They, they slowly stream in uh, to, uh, to the session. It's like once we, uh, once we open it up. So... You going surfing today, Josh? Yeah, I'm going surfing every day. In fact, you're, this is getting in the way of my surfing. <laughs> Sorry. We'll, we'll try to schedule this later. It's okay. I, you know, whatever it takes to help the industry, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> How about you, Mike? What are you doing? You going to do a little skiing later? A little spring skiing? A little spring skiing, a little mountain climbing back here. Yeah. I'm going to take the family out, take the dogs out for a hike. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Good for so, you, dude. Good for you. Complain. Get some fresh air. We're seriously isolated here. Very, so, very socially isolated. Don't nice. visit. Awesome. All right, guys. We uh, well, I see we're uh, we're starting to fill up, so let's get rocking here. Uh, we've got a, a a lot to cover, and we're gonna we're gonna try to get this done uh, in about an hour. So, um, I'd like to welcome everybody to the Swag Coach uh, Distributors Helping Distributors. My name is Michael Mahoney, and today we're gonna talk about how you can pivot and hopefully make big money selling uh, PPE, personal protective equipment. In every economy, no matter how bad, somebody is always making money. Uh, do, you, do you know what era, which era the greatest number of millionaires were made in America? It was during the Great Depression. Startup costs were lower, labor was cheaper, rent was cheaper, uh, markets were cleared of competitors, there were cheap assets available from closed businesses. Uh, a lot of people positioned themselves for when the economy approved. It was a great time to test new ideas. And uh, a couple of classic examples that we would all know are a guy named Colonel Sanders started uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Go, Colonel. And, Love Kentucky uh, Fried Chicken. KFC. And, uh, and two gentlemen named uh, Bill Hewitt and David Packard started uh, Hewlett Packard. Now, of course, uh, HP. So, you know, the point being, look, there's a lot of struggles today. We're all, we're all suffering. We're all struggling with this. Uh, there's plenty of stress to go around. But this session, this event, we get together. Uh, we're focused on positivity, taking action, getting stuff done, and coming out of this, coming out of it, and coming out of it stronger. Right now, there is a massive opportunity and that's what we are, are here to talk about it's in ppe personal protective equipment uh, this is not something that's normally in uh our supply chains now it is it's not just hospitals that's need that need it uh a lot of other industries need masks gloves gowns etc uh there's all kinds of industries uh on one hand ticket sizes can be bigger Maybe there's less price sensitivity. On the other hand, there's more risk. And we've got a question about establishing our credibility and how to just manage this whole, there's a lot of things around this. So we're going to drill down in that and hopefully you're going to walk away from this event, this session today 
with a better understanding of what the opportunities are and, and how you can take advantage. And based on the registrations, like I said, we had over 240 registered for today. Uh, I think there's a lot of interest in this topic. Real quick, before we move forward, past, uh, past topics, we have talked about getting your house in order, cutting costs, uh, training, using this downtime effectively. Um, the last session we talked about uh, the federal stimulus. We had a former assistant administrator for uh, the Small Business Administration on and uh, it talked about that. Both of those are available at swagcoach.com forward slash events. So if you wanna watch the replay, if you missed those, those are available. Before I turn this over to Josh, I'll just say the price of admission today and the Swag Coach normally has uh, four fee programs. This series is free, it's open to everyone in the community and uh, the price of admission is participation. So at the bottom of your screen, you'll see a Q&A uh, button. Click that and submit questions. We'll try to get to those uh, with our panelists and with Josh today. The other is uh, there's, you can see uh, a hand little icon for hand looks like this. That's where you raise your hand and a little bit later in the call, we'll bring on people who have raised their hand, unmute their microphones, let them ask questions and interact uh, with us directly. We're also gonna have a couple of polls. So engage with us and you're gonna get more out of this. So with that, Josh, I'm gonna hand it over to the swag coach, uh, my partner, Josh Fry, and uh, Josh, take it from here. Mike, how, do my, how does my headset sound? Just out of curiosity. Man, I'm so, I'm so proud of you, Josh, for that headset. It, it, it sounds great. More importantly, your hair looks phenomenal. Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate it's growing, it. It's growing out really nice. Are you going back to the ponytail? You know, maybe, maybe, okay. maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. But um, I appreciate the, the, uh, the headset uh, input. I really hope everyone can hear this a lot better. We're trying as we go along here to tighten things up a little bit and uh, make this a, a quality uh, recording, especially for the ones that can't attend it. So, so why are we here? You know, why is this uh, distributors helping distributors webinar even here? It's because we're trying to gather as a community. We're all struggling right now. We know that the, the majority of us are taking a hit on our businesses and maybe some of us are freaking out. Um, and trying to have a community where we can get together and share some best practices and learn from one another uh, is really the spirit of this. And so every week we are trying to bring on panelists and experts around the topic to help educate all of us. Um, you know, I was mentioning to, uh, to the guys before the call, just how much I've learned over the past four weeks, bringing on different panelists, studying some of these topics uh, from just a wide array of things from obviously how to get a, you know, file for a loan with the government uh, to how to communicate with our customers during a crisis. And today talking about PPE, uh, which is a huge opportunity for our industry, but there are a lot of unknowns. And so I'm excited uh, to have uh, Dale and Andy on the call today uh, to talk a little bit about uh, PPE strategy, products that we can sell, uh, products that we can safely sell and feel confident that we can deliver uh, as sales reps, as independent contractors, as small business owners and promo distributors. So uh, without further ado, uh, why don't we go ahead and introduce our panelists and why don't we start with you, Dale? I'm the uh, Senior Vice President and CIO for Geiger, which I've been uh, here for about 10 years, but I spent the majority of my life in this industry uh, working for ASI for another 10 years before that. And at Geiger, I'm responsible for obviously all of our technology, and that includes our e-commerce businesses, both Geiger.com as well as a, a business unit that sells online and through catalogs called Pressline.com. 
And then finally, because of the supply chain being so integrated today with technology and needing to integrate more, I'm also responsible for vendor relations. And that includes uh, acquiring and determining which PPE that Geiger is going to sell. Fantastic. And Andy? Yep. So uh, Andy Blanick with Gemline. I am the quality and compliance manager. Uh, my responsibility is on the on the side of getting the products and working with different vendors. And I'll talk a little bit more about how we're doing that. Uh, and it includes the quality of the products and also any compliance requirements. So making sure that when we're getting products, um, whether it is PPE or, or all of our other stuff, uh, that we work with the right factories, that they have the right uh, certifications, testing, and other things that we need. And we do some of that ourselves and some of that uh, with the vendor. But again, um, before that, I actually did live in Asia and work more for a testing lab. So that's where my background is. Fantastic. Mike, you want to, uh, should we get, should we get, you're on mute. Should we get the party started? Yeah. So let's, let's start out here with a poll and, and uh, get uh, the audience all of our class uh, involved here. So the first question we've got is uh, regarding sales of PPE products. So the question is in the past 60 days, what are your sales of masks, gowns, other PPE products? So uh, none under 10,000, 11 to 50, 50 to 100, or, or more than 100 if you're rocking it. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting. I mean, even over the past week to watch how these products are coming into the marketplace. I mean, Gemline was the first that I saw. I know that, you know, being affiliated with Geiger, we were getting uh, opportunities to sell some of these PPE products. And Dale, you can correct me if I'm wrong, probably like within the past three weeks, four weeks. I don't know. It seems like it's been a while. Um, but this is new to a lot of people. And and things are changing constantly. So I'm very curious to see who's selling what and, uh, and get, a, get a pulse here. We've got about 80% of the results in and I'm gonna end the poll here in just a second. Even if you're on your phone, by the way, you can still uh, reply to these polls. So that pop should pop up. So go ahead and end it and I'm gonna show the results here and uh, get Josh. So here we'll share results. So uh, Josh, what do, you, what do you make of this? So 40%, of, 70% of the people on the call haven't sold $1 worth of PPE. Is that how I'm reading this, Mike? Yeah, yeah, almost half, right? 47% have sold no PPE at all. Okay. Well, for those 47% of you, sit back, grab a pen and paper, <laughs> and take some notes here because this is a huge opportunity for us. And these guys will talk a little bit more about it, but I actually don't think this opportunity is going away for a while. If, if ever, I think things are changing and you can kind of see some of the products that are coming into our marketplace. So I don't think this is a, a fly by night thing. These guys will tell me if I'm wrong. It won't be the first time I've been told I'm wrong. So, you know, gear up, figure out so, how these products work. So we got one person who's sold uh, more than a hundred thousand. So maybe at some point, uh, whoever that is, if they'd like to raise their hand, push the icon at the bottom there, raise your hand. You're welcome to come on and share with us uh, about that. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing. Let's do our next poll, and we're going to bring on our panelists and, and go to the first question with them. So this question is, which PPE products have you sold? And here you should be, if I set this poll up correctly, you should be able to choose more than one answer. The one at the bottom is, you know, I haven't sold any, right, which is probably going to be the most populated. But uh, if you've sold some of the others, 
uh, check those. Uh, and then we'll cut over. And I think Josh, you had a couple of examples you wanted to share. And I don't know if you if you share your slides now. I don't know if that interferes with the the poll. We're almost done with the poll. We've got almost eighty percent. You can bring up your 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 uh, slides and show some examples. Then we're going to go to Andy and Dale with with questions. And I encourage everybody uh, click on uh, uh, not on the chat, but click on the Q and A if you've got specific questions uh, for us. And we're gonna we'll make sure we get those answered. So okay, here we go. And close the polling. Share the results. Okay. So what do we have, Josh? Uh, so forty five percent of the people here have sold masks. I've sold some masks myself and have some thoughts on that. Curious about the face shields. That's a nice uh, uh, product. Um, I, I think that seems like it's going to become more popular in terms of need. Uh, I haven't sold personally any of those. The gowns is an interesting opportunity. There's, and I know these guys are going to talk a lot about that in terms of different levels of gowns as it relates to what's, uh, what's, what, what we can and cannot sell based on liability. Um, booties, no booties. Some gloves, thermometers, sanitizer, obviously. So yeah, this doesn't surprise me. Majority mask, majority sanitizer. I don't even know if sanitizer is officially considered a PPE, but nonetheless. And you know, just to kind of give you an example, as we're kind of going through this discussion, you know, with the with the market changing pretty regularly, and before these guys take over the conversation, you know, I actually put disclaimers when I'm selling PPE because it seems like every week the pricing changes. Now that could be just me, or maybe I'm just a little bit slow to the game. But I basically have a disclaimer, as you can kind of see on the screen, uh, about pricing, turnaround, inventory levels, and so forth um, at just positions me because I'm sure like a lot of you especially if you're experienced and have long-standing client relationships you don't want to offer something that you can't deliver on so um, we'll talk a little bit more about that and then just to blitz through just an example it's kind of visuals of the some of the types of products that you know we're selling uh, obviously masks both the re, both disposable and reusable obviously the gowns the gloves the booties and the thermometers uh, face shields and goggles, protective stuff like that. Um, obviously, sanitizer. I've even had opportunities where people have called me and asked about pallets of gallons worth of sanitizer for their facilities. So, you know, it's kind of like the wild, wild west at this point. And then I don't know if this falls exactly into PPE, but some of these barriers for grocery stores and products like that, uh, that are, are definitely opportunities. So uh, I will uh, stop talking. And, uh, and let these guys uh, get after it. Okay, and you'll, uh, you'll unshare your screen there. Like this? Like that, there, <laughs> there we go. Good job, Josh. Thank you. Okay, so guys, uh, Dale and Andy, first question, we'll start with Dale. Um, when, when did uh, Geiger make the decision to uh, pivot your supply chain to PPE? And you know, what, what was the trigger? So the trigger, I guess the, the timing was probably about four weeks ago to Josh's point earlier. Um, and the trigger really was demand. Uh, we started having customers reach out to our sales partners and then the sales partners do what they do, which is go and find sources either directly or through our vendor relations team. And the, the, the demand was a little slow to pick up and then it just skyrocketed. So about four weeks ago, and it, it triggered with masks, and I don't want to get ahead of other questions, but that was the, the first one, and I'll, I'll be happy to chat a little bit more about my opinion on some of the items, but four weeks ago, 
And really it was the sales partners listening to their clients, which allowed us to get into this. And I think relatively early. Um, when, when we really embraced it wholeheartedly though, was as soon as the CDC started to say, hey, everybody should consider wearing a mask. Prior to that, there was a little more concern and caution uh, on our approach to PPE. Can, and can you, can you share an idea of, of the, maybe the order of magnitude of the, the, the change, uh, the, the degree of change? I mean, were, were, were PPE items in your supply chain, in your book prior to this? Uh, or, and if so, to, you know, to what degree relative to where they are now? So uh, I don't know if you can hear the horns honking out my window, but That's there's, fine. A, there's a parade of teachers going around the neighborhood <laughs> and honking at their students. So um, <laughs> it always happens in the middle of video call, right? Um, so the, no, PPE other than hand sanitizers and, and things that I would say are now considered PPE, such as, you know, the, um, whether, whether you call them the Yowie or whatever, where they come up and they do different things and they block your breathing a little bit. Those kind of traditional items we're in, but disposable masks, disposable gloves, things along those lines, no, never, never even anywhere on our radar. Um, not to say that a sales partner now and then didn't sell them, um, and I, I haven't gone back to look, but I would say if they sold them, it was less than a tenth of a percent of our sales in any given year. And in this year, it will uh, be probably in the 10 to 15% range, I would think, of our sales. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. That's uh, fascinating. So Andy, uh, how about Jimline? Uh, Jimline, when did you guys decide to make the pivot in your supply chain? I think probably about four weeks ago or so or as well. It's been very recent. Um, our CEO, Jonathan, was getting requests from, uh, he sits on a board with a hospital and they started asking, you know, with the shortages and then kind of local companies asking. And then it kind of kept, we kept getting more questions. And so, uh, we decided, you know, it, it's something to to start with, uh, again, to kind of fulfill that immediate need. Uh, and as we found suppliers and kind of went through our reviews, which we can talk about later, kind of what we do to make sure that that we get product and how we took our upstream team and, and stuff we do there, um, you know, we started to roll it out and we, we rolled it out to give some opportunities to some very select distributors. So we're not, we're not selling to everybody in promotional products. We started with a small group, Geiger being one of them. Um, and so, you know, we started there. We also looked at other things kind of outside of PP soap. So we just recently introduced a, a soap line. I think, uh, you know, it's kind of looking at what goes together. I, I saw the poll with the masks. I mean, that was where we started. That was the big demand that there's no masks. Um, and even before the CDC said anything, you know, I think people were looking and going out with masks. So there's this huge demand and sanitizers and other ones. I think you go to the store and you try to find this and nobody can find it. So then you're trying to find other areas. And we started slowly, but as, as we saw the demand, we also kind of ramped that up and, and continue to do that. And it changes daily. And, um, you know, I think the pricing is another thing. It changes all the time <laughs> because there is this demand and, and trying to find the right supplier and then also shipping is an issue. So, um, you know, there's definitely demand and I don't see it going away anytime soon, but we're constantly redoing kind of what, what we're doing and the vendors that we have in all the different areas. So, so you said you don't see this going away anytime soon. That's a, that was our next question is, you know, uh, once the economy, you know, reopens, you know, whatever that looks like, um, you know, is, is this, is this transition in our industry sustainable? You know, is this going to go away? We're going back to uh, the old, the old normal, or is, is this a sustainable transition and therefore an opportunity? Well, longer I, term? I, 
I don't think there is the old, old normal. I mean, even before this, I think a lot of us, when you're going to the offices, you did a lot of stuff before a lot of the, the governments, uh, the states shut things down. I mean, I think when we go back to work, how many of us are going to go back to work and have a mask when you go to work, right? So mm-hmm. how many are you going to, you know, you're going to stop washing your hands. So I, I think there's definitely a, a very, very high demand now. And I think some of that will kind of subside as, as uh, quantities roll and get in. Um, but I don't see us in, in anytime soon, like, you know, going to a grocery store without thinking about what kind of stuff do I need to wear? Because even when we start reopening, unless the virus is at zero, you know, there's always going to be this, this risk. And I think uh, workplaces will hopefully take that. I know we will in terms of um, giving our employee these kind of things like mask and face shield and different things to protect them and people that normally wouldn't wear it. So um, again, maybe in four or five years, who knows, but I think uh, anytime short term, I don't, I don't see this going away. Yeah, what do you think? Does it have legs? Uh, It does. The the challenge for us is going to be, though, uh, this industry is not just a great broker of blanked goods. And right now we're ahead of the curve of these other firms in bringing in these blank goods in bulk and making them available. And just to build off the last thing that Andy said, I would say it's a shorter term opportunity for people to get in now and make sure they become the dedicated supplier as opposed to Amazon or whoever else is gonna be selling blank goods. Our expertise in this business, all of us, we're not about selling blank goods. We're getting a short window of opportunity to sell blank goods. And then we're gonna be back to the branded merchandise. And we're gonna have to be really good at that. So um, disposable masks are gonna, I don't know that they're ever gonna be a imprinted item. So I think our disposable mask opportunity is a very limited window maybe it'll die out or slow down by the summer. But if we already have a relationship, I think we can extend that. In terms of new relationships, that's that's going to shift. Um, What we're looking at right now uh, is, and again, using what Andy said, taking temperatures, providing masks to employees, all of those things. How do we tell the customers that we're working with to be prepared and how we can help them be prepared? We expect most, if not every business in America for the next year and a half or so, to be doing temperature checks, to be providing masks to their employees who who need masks. And the disposable masks are a little bit better. They're better than the cloth masks, but they tend to be something obviously that needs to be thrown away and you get a new one every day. So can can we turn the masks into something that is a branding opportunity that also provides a reasonable amount of safety? So I I am optimistic that we, uh, as an industry, will be selling a lot of PPE for several years to come. What we're seeing over the next three to four months, I think will be different than what we see over the next 12 months. And I I just want to add to that kind of from the front line on the sales side of things, like to your point, Dale, like even the, the, the landscape for selling the disposable masks is changing. We really don't have a competitive advantage over anybody. And at the end of the day, you know, like I heard uh, one of the one of the guys on my team who was going from selling to country clubs down in Florida needing disposable masks, and they're now they're like, no, no, we can get them much cheaper. We just bought them from a guy out of a truck who just is driving down the street selling them for fifty cents. So it's so commoditized. There's really no barrier to entry, and so it actually kind of I want to just do a quick follow up question because as we're getting into the this new type of supply chain how do we compete 
versus the one, you know, the medical supply companies who already have the established relationships overseas that have been doing this for decades. Like, are, are we competitive in, in that supply chain? Or is it really more, we have access to the supply chain and now we can extend our, you know, offering to our, to our existing relationships. And it's more about leveraging the relationship as opposed to thinking that we're going to be able to compete on the, on the price, which is, I, I definitely don't think for, for a very long time, I don't think we're going to compete on price for a short window. I think it's about, we've got access to products that other people don't, they don't have the truck driving down their street yet. Right. Um, and even if they do, do they, do they really want to show up, sell out cash or can we, we mail them something, but that is going to change. So yeah, I think if you look four months from now, price is going to be a much bigger issue than availability. And today availability is the issue. And so Geiger is stocking certain PPE, including masks. So you're keeping, you're keeping an inventory of PPE. Yeah, and, and okay. Geiger is not an expert on inventory. Gemline is, and other suppliers are. But Gemline doesn't add enough value to want to ship 200 pieces of masks at a reasonable price. So they don't, they don't want to do that. So because right now Geiger, our distribution center, or a decorating distribution center, is a um, essential business in Maine, we're allowed to have a couple of people working in there, as long as we're keeping them uh, more than six feet apart, like many of the factories in, in our industry. Um, so we're able to keep those people employed and busy. And we look at it that way as we can sell a quantity of 300 masks. So we're making you know, units of tens and 50,000 orders of masks. And we're taking a risk that distributors aren't used to taking. The expertise that Andy has in compliance, Gemline blows us away, which is why Geiger only works when we're dealing with PPE. We only work with our gold and platinum because boy, I'll tell you the number of people that came out there and sold just anything and everything. Uh, we were seeing distributors selling to distributors and distributors that were working out of a UPS box were where we were getting some of the, the leads from to be able to buy things. And it was ridiculous. So to your point, Josh, there are the guys in the trucks. There are the guys at the UPS store. They're coming out and they were selling to some distributors. And so, People like Geiger and some suppliers are willing to do 200 and 300 piece orders. Um, for us at Geiger, we're, we're ordering a lot of a few things, masks, sanitizers, gloves, and we're making those available through our distribution center. And that's a service as much as it is a money-making opportunity because we'd rather do that with our partners. That's generally what we do. And we are buying these through, by the way, our partners, our gold and platinum partners, and then stocking them. So... Yeah, Rachel's asking, Rachel Leone is asking a question, which I think you're touching on now, is how do you know if the vendors are credible that uh, she says we're getting tons of emails, but not sure if they're okay. legit. Yeah, how do you know what's legit? So, Andy, can, let me tee you up on this one, All right. and then I'll, I'll shut up. But I'll just say that Geiger, and, and much to Josh's frustration at one point probably, we were like, we're not selling PPE unless it's coming from a platinum vendor. We're not importing it. If you want to buy it on your own and take those risks, then, then that's on you. And just like whether it's children's products or electronics, we are very particular about what we'll sell because of the risk. Um, and Gemline is a very trusted partner. So Andy, I'll let you talk because you're way more of an expert on that question than I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been hard. I think, again, you can buy something and, and everybody, because all the other stuff dried up is selling. And I, I uh, you know, my, I think I got emails and WeChat and everything from anybody I've ever known. Hey, I have PPE. So, you know, all of a sudden everybody sells PPE and, and where are they getting it from? And so we've been slow and cautious on how we approach this. I mean, our, our team in, in, in Asia, and we're right now really getting everything from China is 
we go to the factory and we make sure that they're a legit factory. So that, that's the first step. We have had somebody try to sell us something. We're like, okay, we want to come visit. They're like, ah, you can't. So that's a red flag. We're like, no, we're moving on. Or if we show up and it's, it's a factory that doesn't make PP or has never done anything, like, you know, they've never made a mask or whatever. Uh, again, very cautious there. And so there is a lot, you know, while, while there's an opportunity to make money, I think especially everywhere, there's also an opportunity to kind of like, again, try to just get something and sell it and mark up the price a lot. I mean, we're not, prices are high now. I do expect them to come down, but it, a lot of it is just that demand and, um, you know, working with, with suppliers and even getting the stuff quickly, like air freight changes so much. So um, we go through vetting of the vendors. We go review, you know, have they done this before? Is this something new for them? Um, also, what are the categories? So like even masks within there, there's a whole bunch of different levels on what you're actually trying to accomplish. Um, so making sure that we have the right vendor based on what they want. And then again, we started selling to just a few distributors and promotional products here. Um, just because there's also that capacity and just making sure we know we kind of, we're learning every day as we go through as well. Um, you know, I think that the fact that we have the team in China that we are deploying and, and we have inspectors at the factories and we're inspecting the goods. And again, we're not, if we can't see the factory, we don't even talk to them. So, um, you know, I think again, the sh short term that that's it. I think, you know, the interesting thing will be moving further down. Um, I think Dale was touching on it that, you know, how long is this going to last right now? We're verifying and getting things that people need. Um, I think we'll see some of these smaller quantities because you're going to have smaller businesses that need things. Uh, hopefully that is also like we, we introduced soap and lotions recently. And again, that that's more of a traditional promotional product where we have a, a, a soap and a lotion that goes in a bag that's decorated. So I think we'll start to see a little bit more of that where hopefully we can take the expertise we have on the, the printing and pair it with what we've learned on some of the PPE uh, and kind of give this value add, especially as people start going back to work. I mean, you're, you know, a lot of stress right now. So hopefully that's going to mean, you know, when somebody gets back to work, maybe they have some sort of a package or a kit with company logo on it. Um, and again, some of the PPE included. Uh, can I can I chime in real quickly? Yep. Uh, so a couple things. One is I just want to make sure I'm tracking what you guys are saying, which is like short term window for blank PPE, long term being able to kind of envelop it into our own industry and private label it, whether it's some of the soap products from Gemline or different cloth masks or what have you that tie in with, with our own industry. And like for me personally, you know, I'm focused on the client relationships and being a resource to my customers. And so this is a great opportunity for me because where they may not traditionally think of me you know, where they think of me more on the promotional product side or even apparel side. Now I can kind of be an added resource to them and show them, educate them on some of these products and how it ties in with how they go and sell and market. So for the people that are on the call, that's an, a huge opportunity as you're prepping for the, the, the new economy reopening, the new normal. And we're going to talk a little bit about that next week in terms of how to leverage some of these products that are coming to the market to to your own specific niches. But the one question I wanted to ask you guys, and because somebody was asking, well, when is Gemline going to open up to other uh, distributors and so forth? There's actually a pretty big barrier to entry for small distributors and independent sales reps because don't these products have to be prepaid or at least a bunch of them. So if I, you know, I'm fortunate to have uh, Geiger as my backstop. I know there are other uh, people on the call that have, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, Brown and Bigelow and, and the different backstops that are funding these, these orders. But if I'm an independent and I get an order for 100,000 masks, I got to prepay for that or I got to, you know, or 50,000 shields. Is that, is that kind of what the market is dictating at the moment? Yeah, and Absolutely. we... You know, on our end too, we're then going to these suppliers that again, it's, it's, there's definitely more demand than supply. So the, the, the terms are being dictated upstream. You don't, we can't go to a mass supplier and say, Hey, make a bunch of masks for us and we'll pay you in 30 days. Like we normally would. We have to put that money up front. So I, it is a challenge. And I know, you know, Dale mentioned you guys are doing some smaller quantities. I know it's something we've looked at uh, where potentially there is something, but that takes a little bit of, of time to get stock and inventory done. Um, so it may not be a, a if, if you're doing smaller orders, there's probably some opportunities when you're working with somebody like a, through Geiger. Um, if you're doing larger orders, then yeah, you're probably going to want to ask your customer too, because how they can, they might turn around and say, Hey, this guy can get me something cheaper. And now you're on the hook. So I think it's, it's cash all the way through, not just to us, but also to the suppliers that are making this because they don't want to put you in a queue to say, you know, I might get paid. They're like, I, everybody else is going to pay me now. So I'm going to take that money now. And if you don't want to put the money up front, I'm not even, talking to you which is a lesson i'm learning as a sales rep from dale thank you dale right because we need to have reliable vendor partners that we're working with because god forbid we prepay from some supplier that's not vetted by our partner by our team and we are capital left you you Mm -hmm. took the words right out of my (laughs) mouth and and it it does just go to and and, you know andy said geiger was one of the fortunate ones to be early to work with them and that's because we have a good relationship with them at all times and so this is why it's so important for distributors to be loyal to their vendors because you never know when you really need that vendor and when you really are going to rely on them and right now having partners like gemline and others are really helping Geiger and our sales partners. And, and to your point earlier, um, the risk of buying something, then it getting stopped at the border or being bad is just so large, even frankly, to some extent with Gemline. But we know Gemline will stand behind it because they vetted the factory. They're gonna make sure everything works. So use your trusted partners. Uh, that's one key way to be safe in think- keeping your customers safe and your business safe. And that's where we've on the on the supply side. I mean, even getting stuff out of China. China's actually been very stringent on their requirements and increased those requirements. So that guy that's you know has some people in a garage somewhere making stuff is is not going to be able to export the product. And we've we've had to go through with the suppliers and say, you know, do you have this these licenses that now, like I think April first they roll out a bunch of requirements. So we had a couple things that were like, well, we need to check this. So again, it's. You, even if you put that deposit down direct with somebody, if you've never seen the factory and, and you know, they might get stuck at the board and you're like, well, it's not my, my problem. You guys figure it out. So this is a, I want to uh, circle back to, we we're talking about order sizes and the concept of prepaying. And I, and I, I want to throw up a poll uh, here, if that's okay, Josh. Uh, yep. Yeah. That, that to give us some insights in terms of uh, the audience, you know, what's your average order size? You can see under 250, 250, 500, 500,000. Just to clarify, you mean order size in general, not just people. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Dale. Yeah. What's your, the question is, what is your order size in general? Um, And uh, not for PPE. And I want to take a look at, uh, and then ask, then I want to talk about with Dale and Andy, you know, what's typical order size for PPE? Yeah, this is pretty interesting. Uh, So it looks like as the numbers are coming in, 
you know, we got about half the people that average order size between 500 and a thousand bucks. That's pretty good, Dale, huh? I mean, that's pretty good. And then uh, 35% or a thousand plus that's, you know, I've been in the business for almost 25 years. I think my average order size is maybe in the $500 range. Um, now that's obviously kind of affected by a couple of different circumstances, but nonetheless, well, and know. a lot of it depends on if you're counting in your simple corporate program order that you're fulfilling in as a, as a one piece that brings your average order size way down. Right. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. You're counting a large, you know, inventory of a hundred thousand dollar buy. Well, then your average order size goes way up. So, so, right. so Dale and Andy, what are you seeing in terms of, you know, f- working through distributors? What, uh, what are their average sales sizes? for PPE. How does that compare to what we just, what we see on this poll result? I think Andy, you go first. And I'll, I'll... <laughs> Definitely over a thousand. I mean, again, I think there's just this, these are one, it's hard to go to a factory and say, you know, I need a, a couple like, you know, in mask or let's say, you know, pennies. So you're not talking huge, you can get a decent, decent amount with, but at a smaller cost, hopefully, um, you know, but you go to a factory and say, I'm going to place a thousand dollars with the mastery. They're just going to say, all right, have a good day. So uh, most of the other sides we've seen to start with has been these large ones, but we are also doing some of our own. And again, that's where we're kind of working where we're getting these different size orders in and the huge ones can go direct goes direct to, to whoever needs it. Some of them we're combining together. So we have a larger volume to go to the vendors with. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely much, much larger order sizes uh, and, and then there's a, I think a big demand on it, so, you know, masks, um, stuff like that. I think most of it's been pretty large that we've seen. And, and if we're not, we're just struggling with small orders. Uh, if it's like, again, we're trying to, we're trying to do it two ways, direct to factory, but some of it we may bring in under us and then be able to distribute that at a later time. Um, but though in those cases, we're kind of combining the stuff together, but they still tend to be pretty large because uh, you know, you don't need just one mask for yourself. Um, a lot of these are, are companies that want a lot. And so they tend to be larger amounts. And I think with scarcity, people would rather have more than less. So, um, at the moment. So what I'm hearing is that, that, that part of this new opportunity, uh, is that, uh, there's larger order sizes, which can be bigger dollar, bigger margins, uh, you know, for us, uh, challenges financing that, which is why it's great to work with the backend provider. So you can actually finance it, but that also comes with uh, an increased risk. Right. So, uh, which is why, again, good idea to go with a, a, a provider who can, uh, who's got established relationships with, uh, with factories so they know what they're getting. So, you, so. but I'd like to, to just say that one of the things you mentioned um, mm-hmm. was bigger margins. And I think that window may be in the next four to six weeks. Okay. Uh, going back okay. to the question earlier, I think if we are going to stay in the PPE business, in particular the blank PPE business, um, most distributors, I'm not talking about our industry, I'm talking about traditional distributors work off of a very thin margin. So masks may be a 10% margin and a service that we provide to our customers at some point. Um, Andy mentioned that masks are pennies um, and, and I'm either getting overcharged or he's forgetting how many pennies. <laughs> There's a lot of pennies in there, especially with, you know, sh- and some of it, just the shipping is ridiculous. No, it's too right late. Now, so. I'm going back to Georgia price later. Uh, but, Depends on the mask. Can you- but, but I will say on that point, you know, it is, if, if let's say, and this is not the cost, but let's say his cost per mask was a dollar. Um, if it's air freighted, it's a dollar. But if it's on the ocean, it's 65 cents. 
you know, it's a, it's a third more money to air freight right now because mm-hmm. there's no air freight. So the masks themselves may be pennies, but getting them shipped to us. Yeah. And so masks used to be, you, a, a, a hospital could buy them for 10 cents a piece, basically, roughly. And I'm not exactly sure, but that's what I've heard. Now, when industry people are selling them, we're selling them for more than a dollar a mask because of scarcity and because we can get them and add value by getting them to people in a timely fashion. That's not going to last very long. So if we as an industry want to keep selling masks, we're going to end up taking a smaller margin in the not too distant future. So, so Kathy Timms uh, is asking a question about uh, imprinting on masks. Uh, can it be dangerous uh, to imprint? Is, if somebody wants imprinted masks, is that a problem? Could it impair well, the, the breathability of these things? Well, let's, and, and, and Andy, again, you may know more about this than I do. Let's just be clear. We've been selling, you know, things that go over people's faces for a long time with imprints on them. So I think that in general, having something over your face, the question is, is, it, is there a breathability issue? Can you breathe through it? And for years, we've been selling that. So maybe we've been selling unsafe products, but I don't think so. But imprinted on a surgical mask, a disposable mask, I, I think is probably more dangerous. And depending on how thick the imprint is, right? If you're, if you're on a big mask and you've got a big imprint on it, that's going to reduce the breathability. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think again, and then what's the value if you're using this one time and throwing it away? So I think we'll see a change in mass. Again, the people will see, you know, right now it's all blank goods. The prices are not only, you know, Gemline's not going out and making a huge margin either. We're, the prices are high from the vendors, everybody that's making it, the material is high because now there's this huge demand. And, and again, we're, we're here in the U.S., but think about China and all the people they have that we have to wear masks everywhere they go. So they kind of cover that production and there's just a, a, a strap on resource. I think eventually that will go back and, and uh, you know, it'll be, do you, are you going to want a one-time mask that you imprint on or are you going to want something more reusable? Um, and again, I think, you know, we're, we're definitely looking at different options on, on what are some of the things that actually can be printed on uh, that aren't dangerous, right? So if you do build a mask that's reusable, how do you make sure that you're not uh, kind of, uh, so, having a dangerous product, and even a mask, you know, we talk masks, you have respirators, you have, you know, things like N95s that do a lot more protection than the surgical mask, even the surgical mask versus the cloth mask. So what kind of protection is needed? I think it's going to depend on the user and how they, how they want to use the product. Uh, and that's what we've been looking at. You know, most of the stuff that we're, we're not looking at the hospital grade stuff. Uh, it's hard to get and it should be going to hospitals, but the companies that, when you're in a company, you need something fairly basic to give protection. Um, you know, the imprint, I think, again, is it going to add value? What's, what's the cost of doing that imprint? And if somebody's going to look and say, you know, I can go buy a, a box of masks at uh, my local pharmacy for this amount, are they going to pay more to have a logo on it or not? And how much more will they pay? Um, and, and are we set up? I know for us, you know, are we set up in a process that we can do that cost effectively? Or are we going to add, is the, is the mask going to cost twice as much just to get an imprint on it? Um, can I chime in for just a quick comment? Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things, just to also manage time because we're at 1243. Um, what do you guys see about the liability issues, if any? You know, like being in D.C., I'm surrounded by attorneys. We have law firms everywhere, and it just seems like the vultures are going to come out when the dust settles around people selling faulty product, people getting sick, dying, what have you. Like, uh, we're promo people. Like, I don't want to subject myself to that risk. I just want to, you know, try to find an alternate supply chain to survive while during these times, like any words of wisdom. Yeah. So as you know, with Geiger, 
when we first started selling PPE, we were actually making the customers reply back to our product safety division saying, we know this can't stop coronavirus. It's not for medical use, da 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 We've lightened that up a little bit, but all of our quotes and anything on our website says one line about this is not for medical purposes and can't prevent the coronavirus. Um, so we're, we're adding disclaimers there. But no matter what we sell, and this is one of the things, this may be doing good things for the industry, no matter what we sell, product safety is a bigger issue than our industry. Most people take, uh, take it seriously. We need to take it more seriously. Um, and Geiger will not sell an N95 mask or KN95 mask. We will not process the order, partially because of what Andy said, which is if we can get them, if, even if they're real and we could get them, they should go to a hospital and there should be no markup. We're, we don't want any part of that. I know that a lot of people in our industry are selling KN95 masks. I worry that if we're able to get them, they're not real. And I would be putting somebody in jeopardy who's trying to protect themselves from coronavirus. And I worry that there's a liability for the company. So that combination, we have absolutely said no KN95 masks because I think there's a higher degree of liability when it says N95. Um, and then when it comes to this disposable masks and things like that, we're using a disclaimer. But remember, we can be sued for selling a uh, rechargeable battery. So there's, there's a lawsuit waiting everywhere, but we need to be careful. And Andy, I don't know. Do you want to add to that? Yeah. No, very similar. I mean, we're, we're making that disclaimer and selling what we have. And again, providing documentation uh, when we get requests and we're doing our upstream kind of looking at it, not overselling, not saying, hey, this mask is going to protect you. Well, this mask is this. If it's it's not even a surgical grade mask, it's, a, it's some filtering properties, which we can tell you about. Uh, but don't go selling this to a hospital because that is not not what it's going to do. And again, you're, you're putting people's lives at risk. So yeah, I think it's it's being careful on how, what you sell and, and making sure that if you have the opportunity, you understand what the usage is and that it matches up with what the product is supposed to do. So I, this is a, a, a great um, topic. I think just, uh, I'm seeing probably got like 10 questions lined up here about masks in particular, Josh, just a side note, we might want to do a session uh, just specifically on masks. Uh, there's a lot of question <laughs> around around this, but uh, but for sake of time, uh, I, I want to shift the conversation uh, to really gear towards you know again we're working with frontline uh, salespeople and distributors, uh, and I know that they've they've got questions about how to approach clients. Ashley Fish, you know, has a great question. What's the best way to start the conversation? with your client about PPE. So I, I'm gonna make it a two part. What's the great, best way to start the conversation? And, and how do you establish credibility uh, with it? Because last week I, I talked to uh, Wayne Greenberg this week, is, uh, I believe he's with us today. And, and you know, Wayne was, you know, his question is, look, last week you were selling me pens and mugs and this week you're selling me like protective gear. Like why? Like, so how do you start the conversation? How do you establish credibility? Uh, who, wants to, who wants to take that and start with? Oh, Josh. Why not? I'm on the front line. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Well, to me, I think it's a two-part process. And based on this conversation even today, this is how versatile and nimble I am. Like, I'm able to think on the fly and change my <laughs> whole strategy over the course of 15 minutes. Uh, but one is on the idea of selling blanks, okay? So for me, it's about communicating with my customer. We talked a little about this last week. Um, just being fortunate to have a shift in our supply chain that now provides us with access to masks and PPE. So if your company has a need for products like these, 
even if you need a backup supplier because you've got a facilities manager or what have you that's already handling that, just know I can be a resource to you. Just a simple, I can be a resource, part one. And then I think the second part of it is really more the long-term as these guys were talking about brand, you know, we're in the branding business, we're in the marketing business and how can we educate our customers on how to utilize products like these and leverage uh, promoting their own brand, either internally to their employees or externally to their customers, prospects, what have you. So to me, that's a different conversation. Short term, just opening up our supply chain, being a resource. Long term, let's sit down and talk about how I can now help you with your business and go to market by leveraging some of these products. That's how I'm going to do it. I don't know if that's uh, helpful or not. I think it's very similar to what I've been recommending to our Crestline Salesforce. My, my colleague, Chris McKee, runs the Geiger Salesforce. Um, and I'm not exactly sure of the language that, that he's sharing out there, but we're saying we're we're here to generally promote and protect your brand and you've mentioned wayne greenberg michael um he uses that term protect your brand and so we're here to promote and protect your brand but we're also here as a resource in general for your brand and one of the things you have to keep in mind as your employees come back to work is they need masks and they need to be protected and so we have that normally we protect your brand but now we also can help you protect your employees but again, be very careful about over-representing that. How far are you going with that? But we have had zero questions that I know of about true credibility in terms of how do we know your, your, your masks are good because we're not representing them as anything more than they are. And I think this is where I became more comfortable when the CDC came out and said, hey, even a cloth mask is useful right now. That became a story there. And then already we're encouraging people to tie it into the branded conversation. So I can get you blank right now. If you need blank, I can get you some blanks, but be thinking about the long term and what kind of imprinted mask do you want? Do you want the one that does just one thing, the mask, or do you want the thing that can be a bandana and all sorts of other things as well that can promote your brand and be a little cooler than a standard uh, disposable mask. So that's what we've been saying. Um, what, what about exam? So could, can, could you guys give us any examples maybe from your own chain, you know, your, your, uh, your distributors, but who are selling PPE into, you know, non-medical, uh, you know, non-medical industry, They're not, not selling to hospitals or doctor's office. Where are people selling all PPE? over the place, yep. everywhere from grocery stores is, is a really obvious one right now. Um, but we're seeing it in industrial places that used to have a, a easy supply of masks and their buyers. And in some ways this goes back to another point about our industry, their buyers buy through their channel and got to love our industry, man. People like Jonathan pivot, you know, you said it moves slow and four weeks slower than some four weeks ago is <laughs> maybe a little slow, but it's all these other people who don't really tend to know how to import and export. We're an industry of where our suppliers are brilliant importers and decorators. And so this allows us to say, this is what we do. We buy goods from China and we decorate them here. Now we're just bypassing the decoration. But right now, every business that wants to go back to work in May and June needs to be buying these things. And so it's, it is open no matter who you're talking to. It is a good conversation to have now. Yeah. And it, again, maybe that reminder. I mean, I think for us, at least on my end, and I know I'm less connected with the sales outside of getting it, the stuff, but, uh, you know, that conversation of, you know, you're going to be reopening. Well, you're probably going to need masks or your employees are going to want that. Um, you know, how do you offer that, uh, again, non-decorated and then maybe potentially some some decorated in the future? Because I think 
I think the, the, the world we live in has changed in a very long time. When you go to the grocery store, uh, you're going to wear a mask. If you're not doing that now, no, good luck. But, uh, and, and any city governments too, because yeah. the city governments purchasing agencies, they don't know how to import and they're yeah. getting their standard. There's a lot of opportunity with government oh, yeah. agencies. right? Yeah, I know. I know. Anu Kelly just said that she's got government clients looking for, you know, PPE uh, and has, has quote on hand uh, for that. Yeah. So, let me, let me ch- I'm going to blitz through a couple of quick things on this topic. Number one, some additional types of people that can buy uh, construction companies, drivers, country clubs, churches, fortune 500 companies, doctor's offices, therapy clinics. These are all people like anybody's going to visit. They're, they're going to need to be or work, you know, they're going to need the mask. They're going to need gloves or I'm getting inquiries for, for this product right now. I, I would um, just interject real quick, Josh, be really careful about the doctor's offices. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, actually, let me, I know let you me mean just say the patients. I understand that, but it's still something to be careful about. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, actually the doctor's office that contacted me was a, um, was a, uh, a friend of mine who's a doctor and she's like, can I get masks with my logo? So I think she was really thinking from a branding standpoint. It's pretty cool. Then the other thing, just to answer real quickly, because I know we've got Gemline on. Gemline's awesome. We've talked about some other suppliers, but for those of you on the call, there are lots of uh, suppliers in our supply chain that carry a wide array of PPE, just to be you know, totally fair here. So Aprons, uh, does mass, Ariel, Sandmar, Cap America, Ad Capital, Logomark. These are examples of some of the suppliers that we, many of us have access to that carry different lines of PPE. So check uh, your resources and databases to figure out where you can source it. But you all have access to these products. Um, sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm done, Mike. Go. Uh, yeah, no, this, this, this is great. Uh, Wayne actually mentioned it. We mentioned Wayne Greenberg a minute ago, and he, he uh, was okay with me sharing this, but he was selling uh, credit unions. So uh, big clients, you know, tellers and uh, call centers, right? So we're seeing it everywhere. Uh, opportunities, in particular, you know, masks and sanitizers. So, uh, you know, a lot of opportunities there. Uh, one other follow-up question is about sourcing. We mentioned China a lot. Are you guys looking at sourcing outside of China? We have. I mean, I think one of the things with uh, with the coronavirus still is that it's hard to travel outside of China. The China's kind of restricted. We want to, again, we want to make sure we go to the factory. So it's harder to go outside, but we have, we're also looking outside. I think short term, these suppliers, they're set up. There's more of them in China than there is anywhere else. We have the resources there, but it's not to say I think longer term as hopefully uh, less people are getting infected, travel kind of loosens back up we will go elsewhere to look as well um but it's again it's making sure that it's not a not somebody that was sewing a, a shirt last week and is doing masks this week so uh it's been easier to kind of do this stuff in china but i think longer term we will see outside as well and just to be clear no distributor should be importing from any place without working with a trusted supplier especially yeah. now where, yeah, where's I, the, we mentioned that from a liability. Sorry, we mentioned that from a liability standpoint. Like, just to be clear, what what's the potential liability as to a distributor? Well, you, we can get sued over anything, but let's say you sold some KN95 masks and somebody got coronavirus and died. You could be sued for a wrongful death. I mean, they could tra- trace all back. But a, probably a more likely scenario is you prepay, and the goods aren't real, and you don't get paid. I'd say that's the the bigger risk, um, but. Yeah. There, there's a risk in general when yeah, selling. I, yeah, I unless heard. You can, oh, sorry, go ahead. Andy? I was going to say, yeah. unless you can go to the factory, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't buy. Like, if we don't see the factory, we don't, again, it, 
then we got to do other due diligence. But if we can't see the factory and see that it's a real factory, we don't even work with them. So it just, it's too much of a risk. And like I said, I've got contacted with everybody I've ever known that now does PPE. So there's a lot of kind of middlemen that maybe know somebody that knows somebody that can get you some masks, but you really don't know unless you're, you're on the ground. Okay. Yeah. And so, go ahead, Mike. Josh, I want to shift the conversation onto our next topic. We want to talk about small group coaching. Do you one, one more comment? No. So, I wanted you to be aware of the time. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, one of the, one of the, uh, or we've gotten a tremendous amount of feedback over the past several weeks when, when we've been doing these calls and uh, attendance has been phenomenal. Actually, we've still got about a hundred people on this call. Uh, we are, uh, we've had requests for small group coaching. So working with, maybe we could segment based on you know, revenue size, industry geography, there's some ways to, to slice this. But the question is uh, about interest level in participating in small group coaching. And Josh, why don't, why don't you talk a little bit about that? I will put a poll up and we'd like to get feedback from the, from the audience uh, what, uh, what the interest level. So the question is, are you interested in, are you interested in joining a small group coaching call as either a, a coach or mentor? Uh, participant or mentee or, or no, not not interested. But Josh, can you explain what we're talking about here? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this call is uh, hopefully people are getting value out of this call. We're going to find out in a second when we poll everybody. <laughs> yeah. But you know, sometimes people want a little bit more of an, an intimate call. So this is an opportunity to basically everybody sees everybody on the video, a uh, chance to kind of table a top challenge or challenges that you're facing in, in your own business and kind of learn from each other's experience and best sales practices about how they're kind of scaling their own business and ideally have that conversation facilitated uh, by somebody who has a lot of experience in a million plus dollar distributorship. So, we can kind of help each other, uh, not just pivot now, deal with the situation now, but scale our businesses because we are in the sales business. So that's kind of the spirit of it. Okay. Fantastic. So uh, it looks like, yeah, we've got uh, a large interest uh, in participant or mentee uh, so far. So I'll, I'll hold that for just, uh, just a second. And then we're going to get some feedback on, we're going to ask everyone's feedback on this event and then, Josh is going to tee up our next event, and we'll uh, and we'll get closing thoughts from uh, from our our panelists uh, today. So, Josh, uh, here let me well let me put this up, and then while I'm doing this, you can talk about it next week, and then we're going to come back to Dale and Andy to help uh, any just uh, closing closing thoughts. So, okay, yeah, please, so yeah, so please give us your yeah, give us your feedback. How would you likely you recommend today's session to a friend or colleague? Five being great zero being no, what not. So Josh. Yeah. And along those lines, like, look, this is a pay it forward. We're, I'm a, I'm a sales uh, rep distributor, just like the majority of you on the call or all of you on the call. Um, there's a lot of people in our industry that are struggling right now that are like deer in headlights. They just don't know what to do or where their resources are. They don't know about PPE, don't know about the CARES Act and get to get financial relief or any of the stuff. So this is really a pay it forward. You know, as independents, we just, we're just independent. So this is an opportunity to come together as a community. So the bottom line is if you get value out of this, uh, please share it with anyone you know in the industry. We're really, you know, we have 200 people uh, sign up or whatever. We should have 2,000. Uh, these are resources that, you know, people can utilize. So uh, please spread the word. Uh, next week, uh, we're doing these on Wednesdays from 12 to 1. 
And next week, we're going to talk about the reopening of the quote unquote new economy and how to prepare your business to instantly capitalize on it. Uh, we touched on some of these things today. And uh, so we'll, we're going to dig into more about what you can do and how to, how to position yourself, what products you can sell and just kind of gear up and get ready. Cause a lot of the, uh, at least as I'm seeing in the, in the news, a lot of the governors are going to be opening their, the economies uh, in May if not some sooner. So, uh, and then before, before I wrap I, and, and pass it off to Dale and, and Andy, I just want to thank you guys for taking the time. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's been amazing to have your expertise and, and just being so candid with us in terms of PPE and what's going on in our industry. So thank you guys very, thank you guys very much. Fantastic. So uh, Dale, any closing thoughts selling PPE, what our distributors should be having a top of mind? Yeah, I'll, I'll largely repeat um, and, and summarize. Mm -hmm. Find your best suppliers that you already trust and find out what PPE you can get through them and don't even consider anything else. Um, for the Geiger sales partners that are on the call, we're lucky we have Kim Bowden, who's amazing, and, and Nat Bullock, who's amazing with product safety. Between the two of them, they're working around the clock right now, dealing with all the different questions of different people, but we're pushing everybody to those preferred vendors. Work with them and stay with them and you're in a much better shape, but sell PPE from them, get out there and talk about it, offer it to your clients, even if they don't turn it down to Josh's point, or even if they don't take you up on the offer to Josh's point earlier, it shows you're willing to be a resource and you can just say, if you need it, I'm here, be thinking about these things. Andy? Yeah, I mean, I'd echo, I'd echo what, what Dale said. I mean, you know, it's an opportunity, but you got to also make sure you're getting it from the right sources. And it's something that we're spending time on is making sure we're getting it. So yeah, okay, maybe you can get it cheaper here or there. Um, but just make sure you vet that resource and, and go to a supplier that's done this and ask them questions. I mean, I get the questions about, you know, can you tell me about this? What, is, what does it do? What does the product do? And then, you know, going in those markets, a lot of it's places that didn't, you wouldn't think you'd need protective equipment. You wouldn't need a mask. I mean, I think there's good opportunities there to remind them and hopefully longer term. I mean, I think it is going to be short term where we're getting this kind of non-decorated, but hopefully we see that as well in the future. And again, if you've come to them with non-decorated product, uh, is it something in the future that could decorate or could kind of put something together? So, um, and I think it's sell it, but be careful and get it from the right places. Fantastic. Okay. Andy, thank you very much. And Dale, thank you very much. Uh, like, as Josh said, uh, really appreciate you joining us today and sharing. You guys are a tremendous amount of knowledge and value, and I hope we've added value to the distributors with us today. Josh, thank you. And uh, to everyone, uh, the recording for this uh, this event and all the previous events are available at swagcoach.com forward slash events. Be sure to mark your calendars if you've registered already. You're, you'll be registered for next week uh, for uh, our, our discussion on the reopening of the new economy, uh, getting ready. So we'll see you then. Everybody, uh, make it a great week. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys.